Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Thank you very much in that for, for that, Neil. Now, the European Union must urgently wake up to a growing security threat, according to the European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen. During an address today to the European Parliament, Ms von der Leyen said that the Union must turbocharge its defence capacity and start talking about European security architecture. She told the MEPs that the threat of war is not imminent, but it's not impossible either. This is about Europe taking responsibility for its own security. With or without the support of our partners, we cannot let Russia win. And the cost of insecurity, the cost of a Russian victory is far greater than any saving we could make now. And this is why it is time for Europe to step up. Long live Europe. Thank you. Long live Europe, she says, to applause to discuss European security and its impact on Ireland. I'm joined from our Erichtus studio by independent senator and security analyst Tom Clonan and by People Before Profit TD Paul Murphy. You're both very welcome to the programme. Is she right, Paul Murphy? She's not. Um, She is offering people uh, more military, more military spending, more NATO um, and anyone who votes for Fine Gael candidates in the upcoming European elections is supporting that vision of a more militarised uh, Europe. Well, we'll let Fine Gael speak for themselves. They're not well, here at the moment. They, yeah. they, so certainly, make, they, they've already they, they've yeah, said they support I, I know, her, her I know, to be but president. make her point without referencing somebody who isn't here or a party that isn't here. But you say she's wrong. Why not more military and more military spending uh, if the threat of Russia is at our doorstep in the European Union? Well, NATO countries already spend 17 times the amount on the military that Russia spends. Uh, European countries spend four times as much on the military as Russia spends. How much is it that these people, how much do they want us to spend on the military? When will we be safe? A world that spends more money on weapons of destruction of death is not a safer world, but it is a more dangerous world. I mean, over the past 30 years, the world has gone from spending about $1,000 billion a year on weapons to over $2,000 billion a year on weapons. And in the past couple of years, the process of militarization within Europe has accelerated. You have a 20% increase in military spending at a national level. Mm-hmm. You have the establishment of the European Defence Fund, a new fund worth 8 billion uh, euros. And now von der Leyen, who, let's remember, supported, went to Israel, gave a green light to the genocide that is currently taking place. Now she is saying we need to go even further. We oh, need okay, a European me, Defence Commissioner in, and we need to spend uh, more on uh, military. But Tom Clonan, is he uh, wrong, t- uh, Tom? Is Deputy Murphy wrong? Yeah. Uh, well, now, Paul and I are coming to this debate um, from very, very different perspectives. Um, but in trying to answer your question, I would say th- this is what, what what Ursula von der Leyen um, suggested today is, is, is different from uh, an expansion of NATO. In fact, I would be more concerned that it's actually creating a brand new structure within Europe. So the European Union is a successful economic union, political union, uh, not federal, but a, a successful political union, uh, social, cultural, all of those things. We do not need the European Union to become a military entity. And that's what this would represent. Do we need what she's promised? A new dedicated defence commissioner portfolio she's no, commissioned president no, again. No, no, we Wh- certainly do. Why not, Tom? Because we are now... 
I believe, I just want to, in, in the interest of full disclosures, as a former army officer, I believe in Ireland's neutrality. But I also believe that NATO is a, a legitimate military alliance and it exists to do all of the things that uh, Ursula von der Leyen has said we need to do. So there's no requirement to set up a parallel system within, within Europe. And I think it would be quite dangerous because the European Union has changed. With Brexit, it is now dominated by Germany and France. And if Europe arms itself along the lines of, of a union dominated by Germany and France. I think we only have to look to the last century when Europe armed itself twice to see what the possibly unanticipated outcomes might be. OK, can I, can I play you a clip based on what you said? Can I play you a clip from a man who could be, within a number of months, US president? They weren't paying their bills. You've been reading about it. I've been saying, look, if they're not going to pay, we're not going to protect, OK? And Biden has said, oh, this is so bad, this is so terrible, that he would say that. No, when I came in, I didn't make a speech. I looked at the numbers. I said, these numbers are terrible. Nobody's paying their bills. And I told them that. And then I came back six months later. I said, now you've had time. But one of the heads of the country stood up and said, does that mean that if we don't pay the bills, that you're not going to protect us? I said, that's exactly what it means, exactly. I'm not going to protect you. We don't want to be a stupid country any longer. So that's uh, Donald Trump uh, saying about uh, talking about countries who don't pay into NATO and that they wouldn't have US backing. Now, if there were to be a, a Russian invasion of any EU member state, well, there might not be US backing for NATO. And he's saying, uh, I, suggesting I NATO th- isn't properly funded. I, I think, Cormac, I wouldn't use a campaign speech by Donald Trump to frame my understanding of European defence. To begin with, 18 NATO member states of the European Union have now increased their military spending to beyond 2%. And overall, which is the the NATO requirement, and overall uh, military spending has increased in Europe by 20%. Like Germany alone has, has given 8 billion in military aid to Ukraine this year as an initiative. Look, the, the big game changer here was identified by Germany in 2015 in their white paper in defence when um, Angela Merkel wrote a, a, a prologue to the, their paper in which she said Europe is likely to be invaded, uh, face a ground invasion by a neighbour, i.e. Russia, within the next four to five years. That has happened. And now Europe is reacting. I can, I'll tell you what's going to happen next. I've been writing about this for the last two years since Russia invaded, providing analysis and mm-hmm. in-depth analysis of this. If, if, if Russia uh, achieves Putin's aims in Ukraine, then Russia will have a border with Europe that stretches from the Black Sea to the Arctic Circle. How will Europe contain that? Europe is more than able, on its own, without the United States, to contain that threat, okay? But well, what well, it will are, mean, are but what it, just let me finish, what it will mean is that we'll return, and I'm old enough to remember, you probably are too, we'll return to Cold War era spending on defence, we'll see conscription in European member states. I actually think Ursula von der Leyen's speech today was, I'd just be wary of Europe heading off on on a military adventure. You've outlined the next question for Paul Murphy. If Russia wins in Ukraine, and if Russia has that type of a border with the European Union, surely it's time the European Union got its act together in terms of defence, Paul. But, But I already told you that the European Union countries together spend four times as much on the military as Russia. 
If we spend five times as much, will we be safer? Six times as much? Ten times as much? Well, maybe, yes. But who is winning from all of this? And the answer is the armaments corporations. I mean, you read von der Leyen's speech, it's incredible. Europe will spend more, spend better, spend European, the first ever European industrial defence strategy, prioritise defence joint procurement. I mean, this is a speech written for the military-industrial complex. I mean, you look at their share prices over the last two years. Isn't it better to have the firepower now than when Russia and Putin invades and we start thinking about it then. But, but we already spent four times as much as Russia before Russia but invaded Ukraine. Is, it we, hasn't would made... We, would we be safer if we spend five or six times more? And surely the answer is yes, Paul. But you're, you're missing, but sure, you're missing Nate, the wood for the trees. No, hang on a second. Let Paul answer. Come back to you then. But, but NATO spends 17 times more than, than Russia. This isn't making the world safer. And it's making it, in, in reality, the more military spending, the more conflict in the world, the more world is becoming a more dangerous place. And it's avoiding the number one crisis in terms of security, in terms of humanity for the whole world is climate change. And over 5% of our carbon emissions globally come from the military. Every extra euro we spend on the military is a euro that is not spent on yeah, a just and, and rapid transition. And it's actually making but it worse. But they're not debating that in Ukraine right now, are they? For obvious reasons. Well, I'm, I'm sure they are as well in terms but of I, the impact, the environmental are, impact of... Threat. Of, of course. And, and okay. Ukrainian people have every right to resist the uh, imperialist Russian invasion. But this is being used to pursue a pre-existing agenda, a pre-existing agenda to drive militarisation in Europe. You just look in this country, whereby did the political establishment in Ireland always want to undermine what's left of neutrality? Yes. Did they see an opportunity after the invasion of Ukraine and have they tried to seize it? Well, they deny also, that, yes. obviously. Uh, but I don't see the wood for the trees, Tom. Why? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that to sound... No, I don't mind. Go on, go on. So, look, if, if Russia were to succeed, scenario number one, and that border existed from the Black Sea to the Arctic Circle, the vast majority of that border is controlled by NATO as we speak. There is no requirement for the European Union to set up a parallel military-industrial complex. My fear would be, like, I, I think NATO has got it wrong, seriously, but it is a legitimate military alliance. It's there for a reason. And I would have more faith in a NATO that is, if you like, part of a transatlantic alliance with, with Britain's influence than I would in any newfangled sort of military initiative driven by Germany and France in Europe. Okay, and, so let and me you put only a have to look at Let so, me put a scenario. What if Cyprus or Malta or Ireland, uh, who are uh, outside of NATO, were invaded by Russia. What happens then? <laughs> There's absolutely no way. Well, I know, yeah. We said that yeah, about Crimea, no, we, though, some time ago, didn't we? Well, There's no, no way I'm, until the troops... And, Crimea, and, and I didn't say that about Crimea, Crimea is, oh, they, is, We did, we did. Crimea Before it happened, contiguous. actually, I could sh- show you the reports. Crimea we said the same con- thing about Ukraine. Crimea is an entirely different political and geographical oh, location. Oh, hang on a second. We, I know Ireland, that. Our defences have been probed by Russia. Our maritime defences, our air defences have been probed by Russia. How do we know this? Because the Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy have told us. Russia and, or sorry, Britain and the United States will never allow Russia to interfere with the integrity of the Republic. And remember, six counties of this of this island are actually in NATO. So the question really, you know, you have to take into account all of the, the factors that are in play. My concern here no, but, but is... The question, Carmel, hang, on, hang on a second. My question is, and we don't know what type of invasion it could be, but if there were to be a Russian invasion, and the threat is clear and present right now on European soil. But this is but like the Russians are the coming, there's reds under the bed. But, like, let me get the, but sure, they're here, Tom. 
Yeah, I've, I've, in Ukraine. Yeah, I've, I've said that to you already. I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've identified the we domains. We don't know what the threat ex- would be now, but what if... But a, we do know the threat. Uh, no, the threat is to if, our digital economy, yeah. to our subsea, uh, transatlantic, oceanic cables, to the integrity of our airspace. We could suffer cyber attacks, as we already have, from gangs uh, uh, emanating from the Russian Federation. We, if, we know all this, but the answer isn't... The answer is Yeah, well, I tell you, I wouldn't trust Ursula von der Leyen's judgment to give direction to or create an architecture that already exists in Europe. So there happens? are national competencies How for security. How do they defend themselves? Well, that's, you know, you, in the same way that Ukraine does. Events pr- uh, prompt a response. So Malta we, has we to have, mount a response themselves, is that it? Well, you'll find if, not, if Malta were to suffer any kind of uh, a ground or air invasion, there would be a collective response. But the point is that each member state would make a decision on a case-by-case basis on what they want to get involved in and what they don't want to get involved in. NATO member states are under an obligation as a collective mutual defence. We're not at that point yet in Mm. the European Union, but this is a step in that direction. And I think... I'm, I'm... Look, the reason why we're in this position is down to Vladimir Putin and down to authoritarian regimes. But I would be very concerned about the direction that a European Union without Britain would take militarily. Well, look, Paul makes a very valid point that the uh, more urgent uh, disaster is climate change. And you look at how slow and ponderous the EU response is or has been in terms of tackling climate change. And I just wonder if there were to be some sort of an attack on a a European non-NATO country would the uh, response from the EU be as slow and ponderous? I don't know. We've had had a quick attack on a non-NATO European country, Ukraine, and you can see the response. The European Union has responded. NATO has responded. Vladimir Putin made a major intelligence and political mistake when he did that. Look, we'll leave it there for the moment. My thanks to you both, Senator Tom Clonan and Paul Murphy. Let me thank them both. Now we can go.